The brothers wish. The brothers wish, brothers wish. The brothers wish. The brothers. You're now listening to Greg. It's the Brothers Whisper. Hey everybody, this is Greg with the Brothers Whisper, number 151, coming to you, as always, from Texas, the motherland, the home of all of your favorite people. Uh, let's see, there's Davy Crockett, um, Sam Houston, uh, I think Willie Nelson, I'm not sure. Chuck Norris lives here. He lives actually pretty close to me, so something to be said just for that alone. I think Ted Nugent's here as well. Anyway, how to, having said that, uh let's uh let's get some of the uh the guest introductions out of the way you know the uh the most excruciating part uh today from uh i mean you guys are repping the north pretty hard today we have nick Braulio. i said that correct right all right yeah, i have perfect. screwed that up so many times bud <laughs> i grew up in central illinois like most people don't say it right <laughs> so it's not you know it'll be fine any, anyway enough, and we it. also have nick arellano which makes this uh so much more interesting we have nick and nick two illinois boys representing gotcha that's right now would would we be considered oh you're Yanks absolutely yankees to you greg you kidding me <laughs> okay just want to make sure i, don't oh, want to I mean sure i mean it rolled the clear. northern aggression rolls off of you folks so i'm just I'm, I'm accustomed to it. I'm always prepared for it. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. So let's get uh, let's get some of the stuff out of the way so that we can get to the good stuff. So we are brought to you by Sonar, a scalable, intuitive, and comprehensive ISP billing and operational support system. Learn more at sonar.software. We also, scroll down, scroll down, scroll down. We have Tower Coverage. Tower Coverage is your RF propagation system to empower your network, real-time data metrics, enable your coverage area, reach your customer base, and more. The industry's best RF propagation mapping system allows website integration for customer signup and pre-qualification. Use this data to scientifically plan network expansion and help your WISP succeed. Get a free trial today at towercoverage.com. All right. Red like a champ. I feel accomplished today. So I would announce the new patrons, but we don't have any new ones. So you listeners need to go to patreon.com forward slash your brother's WISP so that I can read your name out next go around. That also gets you access to the patron-only Slack where both of the Knicks post their newest nudes and uh, have lewd conversations with people. So definitely jump in there for that. <laughs> Mostly the latter. Uh, excellent. So uh, we have uh, probably two of the smartest guys I know on the planet, which uh, that sets the bar high. Right. And that's not saying that I know a bunch of dum dums, right? You guys, you guys definitely oh. set the bar high. Overachievers, <laughs> I would call you guys. Um, both from a, uh, a hair perspective, because you're both rocking it, you're looking good, uh, but also from accomplishment perspective. So while we've got you guys, I figured we would talk about some of the things you guys are really interested in. So I've got it arranged so that we have some quicker topics, perhaps, perhaps not. And then some of the longer stuff at the end, because I know. Uh, Nick uh, Braulio, Nikki B, uh, you guys uh, have been working on some really interesting stuff that uh, does require some explanation. So I want to leave time for that. But let's start at the start, man. So uh, Router Us version 7 is out. Everybody is slowly starting to play with it. Uh, and I am no exception. I just installed, what, three days ago, my first <laughs> router with version 7. And that's because I wanted to get to that juicy zero tier stuff and started playing with that. I don't want to get to the zero tier stuff yet because that's a little bit later. But um, recently something came up and it is, how do I identify what routes I'm advertising out via BGP, Border Gateway Protocol, to other hosts? And I'm I'm thinking in my head, uh, in version six, there wasn't a way to identify like what I'm advertising directly to a specific peer, was there? I don't... So there's documentation yeah that has the command that you run to show that to be honest uh well okay so what you're referencing was was i think me <laughs> complaining on the uh, uh on the slack about uh, hey how do i do this like it's not this command isn't working and it was just a command that i yanked out of the microtech wiki but i've been on router with seven since i think rc2 and i just turned up an actual production bgp peer on 7.11 and, you know, my normal go-to with, uh, you know, when I'm configuring an eBGP peer is I want to, you know, I want to build the 
config for it and I want to make sure that I'm announcing the right thing. So basically make sure it's doing what I expect it to do. And I found very quickly that I was unable to do that using the way that I normally do it, which is like look at advertised routes. Um, and lo and behold, you know, I did eventually figure out what I needed to figure out. And I was in fact doing it incorrectly and announcing routes I didn't want to, but thankfully the upstream peer was filtering them. But there is apparently no way to view that currently on router OS seven. If there is, I would love somebody to tell me what it is. I'm happy to be wrong. I would love it if I was wrong actually, but I don't, so I don't think I am. Which is kind of insane because <laughs> it was a, it was a uh, primary tab on version six. You just go to advertisements and it's like, here's everything you're sending out each peer. The fact that that's just not in version seven is kind of odd. Yeah. Well, so you just brought something up. I only use the command line, so I did not look in Winbox or the the web interface because I have them disabled. It may be there and not in the CLI, but I would really doubt that. It's usually the other way around. Yeah, I've noticed that too. A lot of um, missing things from Winbox, right, uh, versus the CLI, and. Uh, like in the Cisco world, I was all CLI. I was always doing CLI. And then MicroTik, it slowly, it started infecting my brain, you know, because like the Winbox, it is so fast and so efficient. Like my workflow got so quick with it. Um, but yeah, I like I always am looking in Winbox first. And now with version seven, like you said, I'm having to, to, to fall back to my my roots. I'm having to go back to the, to the CLI, which I don't necessarily mind. But for like um, informational stuff, I really like Winbox. Like, you know, like you... Like uh, Nick was Nick Arellano was talking about you pop open the tab and you just watch advertisements, you watch routes, you watch a thing while you're over here tweaking and tuning. You could just kind of live see it pop up. I, I used to love that functionality. But this opens several terminals. Yeah. <laughs> same effect. I, that, I mean, I just I SSH into my jump host, I fire up Tmux, I attach to it, and then I've got four windows, you know, in one, you know, split pane. But you know, I do like Winbox. I'm not in any way, you know, disparaging that. I just don't run a Windows machine, and the Mac builds for that are, you know, they don't update as frequently. They're kind of slow because they're running an emulation, blah 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 blah. So it just isn't uh, quite the same experience. I think that uh, you know, uh, someone using the native client would would uh, would have. Mm. Unfortunately, they should check out Crossover for Mac. Uh, it's it's basically like like a a commercial product it's like a yearly license for just updates but it's a wine bottler and you you can install so i have winbox net install even works the dude works as much as i hate the dude because i i daily drive mac os a wine bottler is that something you came up yeah. with? yeah not at all <laughs> <laughs> no 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 um i think i've heard of this before i haven't used it like i've got whatever the the whatever the version that's built um that you can get with uh, homebrew on mac you know it's brew install winbox or nrl quaker whatever it is and it, and it works it's just you know it's it's slow because it's emulation even on my you know very very beefy machine it's just the experience well you guys stinks. adapted to the uh, bgp filters that's what i hear everybody complaining about and again i just installed this so i have yet to play with bgp You know, uh, I really didn't know them very well, um, but I've done a fair amount of work on pretty much every other platform, so it wasn't terribly different from, let's say, I, I, I know some people are probably going to scream when I say this, but like the route policy language in iOS XR, the way that it does if if statements and things like that is really in my mind, they're fairly similar. I know that they're not actually very similar, but like that leap wasn't very hard for me. And it is oh, reasonably documented already. Yeah, I too. know. I remember um, making the change from standard iOS to iOS XR and that uh, the policy procedure, kind of the if then else stuff, like, oh my gosh, I loved it. Like I instantly was like, yes, yes, this is for me. So uh, any uh, any changes I had to make to adjust to it were welcome. So I had no problems with that. I think the hardest part for people, I found a limit. I was just saying the so hardest part I think for people is that it's a very it's a very cognitive break from six to seven. It's like it's completely different. So if, from like for programmers, if you have some logic baked in, 
um, it, it's going to make it a lot nicer for automation and building out like more complex filters with kind of less just lines. Uh, it's it's going to provide a lot more tooling for that. But people that are used to V6, I mean, it, it's a completely different shift. So a lot of people don't like it. I hope they keep it, but it would be kind of hard for them to, I imagine, maintain both styles of maintaining stuff. Everything's a lot more templated across the routing protocols in general. So I think it's a good direction, but it seems like they are wanting to do more training content on their YouTube and go more in depth on stuff. So I wonder if they're going to be uh, focusing on that. Their their video content's actually pretty good for the stuff that they've put out so far for oh, the product. You like that uh, upgrade before Christmas one is what, you, is what you're oh, telling me? Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I could handle about 20 seconds of it at 2x speed. And I was like, yeah, this, it's not for me. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the filtering language is is not bad. I do really like the templating. I mean, that's how my brain works anyway. Coming from a a very long tenure working on Juniper equipment, that whole like building of the template pieces within the config sort of clicks. Um, I do like that. They've done a lot of work on um, running in IPv6 only mode. Uh, which was kind of not really doable beforehand, but you can get away with it for the most part now. You can put V4 inside of your, you know, you can do the NLRI for V4 inside of V6 peering. All of the next top stuff works fine, and um, I, that was a that was one of the biggest reasons I hmm. I upgraded to. Do you it, feel actually. like this is um, a move towards more towards like industry standard uh, as far as like BGP filtering configuration goes? I think that it is enabling a lot more granular pieces that will indirectly affect how seriously the platform is taken by those that typically blew it off or didn't even mm. know about it before. That's my <laughs> that's my hot take. So you feel like a it's a good... move to uh, lend credibility then? <laughs> yeah, I mean, every update that they do to 7, and, and Nick, you may you know, feel free to disagree with me, but like, every, I feel like every move they make is calculated in such a way that like it's pushing it further into the mainstream of, Hey, I could, I could really buy this and run like a national backbone on it. You know, a small country that doesn't need hundred gig or whatever, you know, although I think the hundred gigs probably coming. I think that that's, they're really, they're really putting a lot of thought into what people are complaining about finally i think that whole like oh it's coming in version seven that everybody's been saying in jest for like what a decade mm. is now like oh shit it really is it's coming, coming like it's here now yeah because those updates are fast and furious like they like every every new kind of uh, release candidate introduces something that is sometimes surprising or at least i don't know surprises me i, I think some of you guys probably or at least andrew thift seems to have a really good crystal ball about what's coming next. I don't know about you guys, but he seems to really have his pulse on uh, kind of like seeing, you know, like tossing the chicken bones and knowing what's going to come next. He knows the hardware. Yeah. So he knows like where they buy from. So it's probably yeah. a lot easier for him as the hardware guy to know. Well, there's these chipsets available, which means they could do X, Y, Z based on their other form factors. It would just be common sense for them to do that. And sure enough, a lot of times that's correct. Yeah, I mean, I used to keep up with all that stuff too, like what, you know, what merchant hardware can do what and, you know, what what they can what they have to punt a CPU, but now basically <laughs> I just listen to what Thrift says and I cross-reference that with what Kevin Myers says and where there's overlap, it's yeah. pretty much gospel. Yeah, that keeping up with that stuff does not spark joy with me. I I've, I've definitely let that go for people that like have some kind of weird little thing in their brain where they love figuring that stuff out. It's like more power to you, bro. Just uh just Share the share the love and and thankfully those guys are uh, willing to do all of that stuff. Yeah, it's very much a sur surround yourself with smart people kind of thing for me. Like I don't care, you know, I don't care to, to keep up on the hardware, but somebody I else will, you, and then I can reference it. <laughs> Enough bandwidth, but there, there's a lot of important things with this too. It's like you know, people are already making jokes. Well, now it's going to be router uh, OS version eight, but the big picture here is they've probably doubled or tripled their development team size in general. They just pushed towards stabilizing version 7. Yeah. Once they work the kinks out, like 
all these things have new engines in the background. There's more like multi-threaded processes in the operating system in general. It's just all around better, but it was completely rebuilt, so there's going to be bugs. But even if you don't like Microtik, I mean, I love Microtik, but they're going to force the big vendors to compete as well. Like more and more uh, companies are offering virtualized images for routing to push more into like white box open networking stuff. And so having someone like Microtik just kind of ramp up and take off like out of nowhere is going to force a lot of the bigger companies to offer some sort of similar price point feature sets, virtual machines, or, you know, they're going to take over a, a bunch of market share um, because it's like the price point, it's like worth dealing with some of the weird stuff than having to pay for huge support contracts. And so if you start offering port density, it's a lot more friendly to like walk into, you know, that capacity of networking. And like I said, their team is as big as ever. So th this progress probably isn't going to stop. They're just going to keep mm -hmm. ramping things up. They're probably going to bring Docker back soon. And it's just going to keep going and going and going. And who knows what it's going to look like uh, a year from now. And they are held back a little bit on chip shortages. Once that's gone, we're probably going to see new hardware flood the market from Microtik. It's pretty exciting whether people want to keep ragging on it or not. This is a different Microtik than it was, you know, within the, even the last year. They've they've ramped up so much development resources. They're they're making pretty serious changes. Yeah, I think that they've uh, they've also well, they've got a couple of different things within that, right? They got the new kernel. The new mm. kernel is a game changer, right? Because the old, the other one in six was so painfully old that like you just, there was no, you know, there was no upgrade path for a lot of different things that needed fix. So now that they've presumably built a modular system that they can drop new kernels into more easily, you know, I think that's only going to accelerate. And, you know, what are they going to do while they're waiting for new hardware? Mm -hmm. They're going to work on their software stack. And I think they've, in, <clears throat> they've more embraced the, um, you know, the open source protocol stuff too. Mm. Like, I think they used to try to write everything in house and now they've got a bigger team and, you know, why not take advantage of something that's already written? You know, FRR has got a ridiculous protocol suite that's open source. You know, all you have to do is reference it, you know, and put the licenses in and you can use it. But they've got that MPLS stack too, which, you know, talk about competing with the big vendors, like find me something else that does MPLS as well, you know, for, virtual circuits or whatever, you know, VPLS in particular, find me something that'll do it for, you know, two thirds of the price. Even, I mean, yeah, there is nothing. There's, there's literally nothing out there unless you're going to build your own mm. FR box. Yeah. It, I mean, it really feels like Microtik had like an albatross around their neck or, or, you know, the old kernel was like a boat anchor dragging them down. And now that they've freed themselves, right, they've rewritten from the ground up all the, the pieces that they needed to. They've, I mean, they are thrusting themselves forward at warp speed. I mean, you could see all the new uh, features and things, not just the ones that we had been complaining about for years, like, please fix this thing. <laughs> Obviously, those are, those are here already. Like, we're realizing those changes, but uh, new stuff that we didn't even ask for, like Docker, you know, and then the cake and Codal and, you know, all that stuff is just coming out, just gangbusters is coming out so fast. So, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they see the mistakes they've made in the past and they're going to take steps for the future to where they don't get stuck, right? Like, we don't accidentally get stuck somehow on version seven for the next five, six years, right? I, I, I Well, I mean, in the same way that they were on six, right? Where it was really hindering them. And uh, like Arilano said, they've really ramped up. Like you said, you know, if there's chip shortages, they're just going to work on software. And it looks like, you know, if they're, um, they have enough resources now that that looking towards the software piece should never slow down, right? Like they've got people that can just focus on that piece and then they've got people that can focus on the hardware piece or whatever it happens to be. So, uh, I mean, I feel like they're really poised and positioned to do some amazing stuff. And it's not just me uh, feeling high off of not having to go to work for two weeks. Like I, I really feel like, uh, you know, like good things are, are in the pipe. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think the other thing that no one really talks about because like in the world where people are using Microtik a lot, it's just kind of, well, yeah, of course it's low power. But like for a lot of folks, like that's becoming significantly more important. Uh, the power draw, I mean, there's, there's nothing else in the market that will do, 
even close to what you know a MicroTik device does with power draw that it'll draw. You know, it's it, it's incredible how little power it'll use to be able to do the things that it can do. And I think that's a very understated advantage that you know they've got that. I mean, they don't really. It's just like, yeah, of course it's low power, right? But like in the U.S., that's right. sort you know we we don't think about that as much, right? Because we've got a stable power grid for the most part. But like elsewhere in the world, like where are you going to find? I mean, I remember when hundred gig blades came out, and like you go to like a facility, you know, level three facility or whatever, right? Whatever the facility is, doesn't matter who the who the carrier was. There was a chance they wouldn't hmm. have enough power for you to to put to you know to hand you to feed those you know 500 gig line cards that you had that required all new power supplies in your router didn't exist yet you know you had to wait like six months for them to upgrade the power system in the data center to do that yeah so and i, I guess too like advantage. while we're talking about low power draw that makes me think of uh how high of temperature tolerances these things can manage and you know so they're putting out low power you can put them in a hot environment they're not going to add that much to the heat so uh, it really, it's, uh, I've put them in places where you absolutely shouldn't have put them, you know, so they really are good in those kind of rough industrial environments or, you know, kind of outdoor environments. Hmm. Interesting, interesting little tidbits I wouldn't have even noticed. Well, we were talking about earlier, uh, or it slipped out or whatever it happens to be, whether it was pre-recording, but we talked about cake a little bit and there's no one central place where all of that knowledge has uh, been put together. It doesn't seem like, but Tommy, uh, Tommy Krogan uh, was nice enough to compile all of the notes on cake. He's been, I mean, that guy's been hammering at it for, I think pretty much since it was released, he's been whacking away at it and he's got some good notes he's put together as well as some base configs. And I just wanted to get a shout out that uh, in the show notes, there's going to be a, a link to all that stuff. And so you were mentioning it a little bit earlier, right? Raleo? Yeah, so I've had a Starlink node for, I don't know, since March of last year. Um, not because I live in a rural area, uh, but because I got on the list and I wanted to test it, you know, to do some research on latency and buffer bloat and some other things. And um, one of the last things that I want to test is what get, you know, how, how the behavior changes um, when I can enable FQCODL or Cake on a MicroTik that's connected directly to um, a dish, you know, a Starlink dish, because there's some pretty serious buffer bloat issues with the with the original dish uh, nodes that mm. pretty much everybody has right now, and I have a feeling that that will fix that problem. Um, but I haven't been able to test it yet because I'm too lazy to sit down and figure it out. And the place that I usually go to get my MicroTik config, which is gregsoul.com, <laughs> doesn't have anything on cake. Lies. Lies. So, uh, it's because I'm waiting for, like, I don't have, like, good little test networks anymore. Like, everything is, like, full-blown production. You know, like, everybody's got a little piece of their network where they can just, like, eh, I can do this stuff over here. It's not going to hurt anything. Um, but the, the the ones I have now, like... Uh, they're my networks and they're making me money. So it's like, I don't want to disturb them too much. So I've been kind of waiting for somebody else to like do some of the, the heavy lifting so I can be a little bit safer when I go in there. I don't want to, man, especially this time of year, I don't want people bitching and moaning at me this time of year. I don't want to take any phone calls. So uh, I'm not playing with it uh, right at the moment. But uh, Tommy was kind enough to, to get out there. And But I mean, I, I've never implemented uh, those types of systems. And I wondered like, do you have to tweak and tune them a little bit to your environment? I mean, it's not one size fits all, right? Well, so the big selling point of FQCODL is that oh. you enable it and it works, right? And if you look at the Linux documentation for it, there's really nothing to it, right? It essentially adapts as it needs to. I That's the thing I don't know. On, on a micro tick. I mean, I guess I could just go turn it on and see what it does. I just haven't done it yet. And I mean, sp speaking of networks to do things on, yeah, that's my home network. So gotcha. my family is the test subjects <laughs> and they're very vocal when things don't work. So, you know, I get really good and prompt feedback. <laughs> awesome. How about you, uh, Arilano? I know you guys are the network you maintain that would be useful for you guys, right? Maybe. I mean, the the hardest part for me was that when 
um, people were first testing this, like cake specifically was causing like kernel panics and stuff. It's like, I don't know if I want to play with that right now. I mean, um, I've looked at FQ Codal and stuff a little bit. I mean, the, the idea of having lots of small mini queues, being able to make sure that like latency sensitive, smaller window things get equal priority. Like the whole thing is like, yeah, I want to use it, but I haven't had time to actually test it and, and play around with it. It looks simple enough configuration wise. I think a lot of it's being done on the Linux side of things. Um, I specifically haven't tried Cake because of all the complaints earlier with kernel panics and routers crashing, just having it on for some mm. reason. It's probably fixed by now, but that's the primary reason I haven't even touched Cake. Um, but now things are stabilizing. It's probably going to be interesting to test. Um, I mean, it, it can only help. And if it doesn't cause uh, kernel panics, why not? <laughs> I've... But at some point, I definitely will play with it. Say, maybe here pretty, maybe in the first quarter, what I'll do is I'll pick a floor. And I'll just throw it on that floor. <laughs> like I'll just affect that one level of uh, customers and see uh, see if I get any complaints back. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll yeah I'll holler at the um, I'll holler at the department management. And I'll say hey I'm testing out some new systems over on floor five. So just let me know if you guys hear anything. Uh, so we'll see. I'll, I'll that that gives me kind of an out in case I break everything. They'll be like oh everything oh but he told us and I'm like yeah okay we're all good. Uh, nobody's mad at me right now. Excellent. All right. So let's move on to something I am just now been toying with, but you guys are consummate experts on, which is zero tier. So I, uh, a friend of mine called me Monday of last, no, Tuesday of last week. Anyway, they picked a day. They called me and they said, Hey, uh, we've got, uh, our three chicken finger stores. <laughs> like they, they said, I, they're just like one of the most popular chicken finger joints down here. And they've got three locations in town. They're like, Hey, we just failed our PCI compliance. For some reason this year, they made us do a scan. And I was like, are you, you know, processing your credit cards uh, digitally? And they're like, yeah. I was like, how long have you been doing that? And they're like, I don't know, eight years or so. I was like, well, you got away with it for a long time. You should have been, you should have been doing this ages ago. So, uh, would they send you? And so we ended up, Oh my gosh. You know, it's a typical sort of thing where they did everything. So one location, they had a Netgear at another location. They had, oh my gosh, I think a TP link. And at another one, they had like a unified gate. It's just like, it's just a hodgepodge. Like you would expect, you know, like just all kinds of weird stuff. So, uh, switched it out for, uh, Microtix. And, uh, I wanted to play with the new hotness, the zero tier, right? It's supposed to be so simple. And, uh, it's, to be honest, I ran into problems. I know there's only two lines of config on a Microtech that you have to throw in there. But what I was trying to do is in the controller interface of zero tier, I was trying to put in like my, I went to the advanced section. I put in my custom, um, my custom subnet that I wanted to throw in there and I put in the range and everything. Um, and it wasn't auto assigning them. And so I tried manually signing them in the controller and it just, they would never pull the addresses. And I was like, okay, I went back to easy mode, picked one of the subnets they had and everything just magically worked. I was like, all right, well, Maybe I did something wrong. I mean, th it, there's like almost no knobs in there, which is super cool, like how easy they make it. Um, but now that I've got it up just using one of their subnets, it is so simple. You really do just enable like two lines. Basically, you turn on zero tier on the Microtech, then you configure the interface where you just put the, you know, the network ID for your zero tier stuff and it just reaches out and magic happens. It's so simple. And then even the app on my uh, Android phone, there's just the little slider, you click it and it turns on and then I can access all of their internal resources, which is like, so uh, uh, they had their point of sale system open to the internet, HTTP, uh, so that they could go in there and correct time cards and stuff. I was like, Oh my God, you're, you're giving me, <laughs> you're giving me anxiety. And then they had their, um, uh, their DVRs, which were all three different brands of DVRs, of course, uh, uh, yes. connected wide open to the internet. I was like, that is the absolute worst thing you can have on there. And I was like, oh, by the way, uh, your your cameras, uh, are they on the same network as your point of sale stuff? And they're like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, well, let's, uh, let's take care of that because your point of sale and your cameras are wide open to the internet and they're all sitting on the same network. Oh, so uh, yeah, so we got that fixed and zero tier was like the easy button. It really was. It was like Fisher Price of VPNs. You just kind of blop, blop oh. and you're done. If you want to use it as a layer two switch, super easy. But the, the best part is like, if you want to go crazy, you can go crazy. You can spin up multiple isolated networks. There's a, there's a very complex 
rules mm. engine that has a simplified syntax on top of it. You can control to the ether type level, the protocol level. You can you can tag devices in specific groups. It's like anything you can think of, you could potentially build in there. I mean, they've got a whole bunch of cool stuff on the back end to deal with encapsulation. Like you can do like large MTU sizes. It handles it in the protocol. It's it's uh, amazing for what. It's incredible, yeah. dude. It's just inc- there's no other way to describe it. It's freaking incredible. Like it just it does. You you don't have to know anything at all to make it work, or you can be like a protocol super freak and do all the things you want to do with it. And it it works anywhere in between. Like it's just it's freaking incredible. I've been using it for years. I I use it for everything, and. It's you know I like to use it just as a layer two switch for some things and for other things you know I'm doing all kinds of crazy rules and stuff over it like the, the it reminds me a lot and I know I'm going to date myself here but it reminds me a lot of like when we were first figuring out how to do open flow stuff and I know that's going to color it you know because it's controller based or whatever but like it's very different than that it's essentially um, you know allows you to do all that complex filtering at the port level, you know, the virtual port level that you could do with things like open flow, but it doesn't have any of the downsides, right? It you know, you can do a managed session or unmanaged session. You can, you know, do no rules. You can do a ridiculous amount of rules. Um, I, I can't say enough. So it's not, I love it. I mean, Initially, when you think like it's a VPN or something like that, you think, oh, I'm just going to use this for like some uh, light remote uh, admin, right? Like, so I can, I can, you know, I can backdoor into my devices and configure them. And it, I mean, it, yes, it does do that. And it does a good job of that. But like you said, it goes so much farther, not just like layer two, but um, you're running, I mean, you're using it to do like OSPF sessions across with like BGP peerings and I mean, you're doing some complex stuff, right? Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> uh, so I've been thinking about how to do uh, more network experimentation for quite a while. Um, that part of, part of what I do is network research. And so there's, there's a certain point where doing things in a lab just doesn't give you the kind of return that you need for seeing how something works and seeing how something fails. And so I sat down over the summer and um, – cobbled together some real resources, like a real ASN. Um, I got allocated some IPv6 space from Aaron and then later on a slash 24. And I started building what I called ZTVI. Um, so ZT for zero tier and VI, just Roman numeral for six, because it was originally V6 only network. And basically what it is, is it's a carrier backbone you know, with real resources that exists entirely as an overlay. So... From a given pop, let's say I've got a pop here in where I live in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. I have a uh, an FRR router, free range routing device that is, you know, basically just a Linux box. Uh, I've zero tier installed on it, and I create backbone links via zero tier. So I create a backbone link from this pop to the next pop over, right? And that just I just configure it like I would a normal backbone link. You know, I run a slash 127 on it. I run a slash 31 on it. And I run ISIS over that for my IGP. And then I do IBGP over that. Um, In some cases, I do OSPF because, you know, why not? There's no rules, right? I can do one or the other. And it runs totally fine. Like the, the routing and the performance of that is limited only by... Um, the speed of the physical interfaces that are plugged in. So right now everything is one gig um, except for one location that has 10 gig to an IX. And I can run from my house, which has one gig you know, fiber to it. I can run pretty darn close to one gig all transiting through zero tier over that network. I can pop it in at my house and pop it out in you know, California, and it looks like two hops, right? doesn't matter what's underneath it because it's just FRR. And so as the network can change underneath that, you know, whatever carriers are pe- I'm peering with, because I've got egress EBGP peers, their routes can be churning, their transits can be changing. It doesn't 
I can't see any of that. I'm, I mean, it's basically a, you know a, a a big overlay network, and it's all running over over zero tier. All right. So one thing you mentioned was FRR. Tell me a little bit about FRR. FRR. You know, kind of how people use it. What does it do? Yeah, FRR is basically the, what um, if anyone's used a, a project called Quagga, um, basically an open source uh, routing suite. Uh, it, it's been forked out of Quagga. It's maintained mostly by Cumulus, um, which is now NVIDIA. Uh, and it's it's essentially a, a, a software routing stack that's very, very full-featured and very uh, progressive. So it has all the things like SRV6 and all these you know funky new protocols. Um, and it just runs under Linux, uh, or I run it under Linux, just a new Ubuntu install. I just install FR on top of it. Um, drop into a shell. It looks pretty much exactly like traditional iOS. If I add other people to it to manage it, I just make their shell the VTYSH, and it just looks like they're logging into a router. Just drops them right into the command line interface of the router, and they can configure everything that they want to do from there. Um, and so that was the that was the main platform that we went with to build this this uh, network. Um, but then. We ended up getting access to a cabinet in Fremont, California, in a Hurricane Electric Data Center, and one of the requirements was that it had, uh, you know, an actual router. So we bought a, a 2004 Microtik, and that's the production 7.11 device uh, that's now participating in the network, and it's got the zero-tier interfaces that it routes its back, quote-unquote, backbone links over. Um, the one caveat is that that device does not do ISIS. So it's currently the OSPF node in the network, and we just do redistribution. Mm-hmm. It's real easy. So uh, while we're talking about yep. zero tier on Microtik, it only runs on ARM-based devices. So um, it doesn't run on x86. It's not in CHR, which hopefully it gets there because that would be really cool. Um, and it's also CLI only, right? There's, there's nothing in the... Um, there's nothing in Winbox. I think it's an extra package, right? You have to pull the zero tier package in and reboot, and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And there, the, a couple other things. There's no SNMP OIDs for the interfaces either. So if you're graphing stuff, which I just found out uh, like two days ago, if you're graphing things, you're not going to see currently any traffic statistics for those I would believe it because like if you look in uh, if you look in Winbox in the interfaces it doesn't exist like even though zero tier is up it's functioning it's connected you can go to IP address and it shows it but it's like asterisk and a number there's no there's no interface so I I assume that's probably like all of that's going to get kind of married together once they once they get it to show up in Winbox right the, the OIDs are going to be there and all that stuff so hopefully they keep putting time and attention into this because uh, I started out looking at WireGuard and I was like, you know, maybe I can get them on WireGuard uh, to do their VPN stuff. And then I was like, what's that other thing? Oh yeah, zero tier. Let me go look at that. And it was so much simpler. So, I mean, it just came together really quick. The smartphone app was really simple as well. And I liked, I just like the controls. Like uh, I can have, I can send somebody the ID They'll connect it on their smartphone and they'll pop up and I can approve them in the list and name them and then they're up and working. So it makes it really simple on the admin side for me, like managing who does what or whatever. You were talking at some point about the API. Have you played the API yet at all? I have. (laughs) Have you? Oh, see, I haven't touched that yet. I was hoping that you would write everything up. it's, It's pretty comprehensive. I mean, um, the nice thing about zero tier, because not not only is it, you know, controller based, even though the controller is ugly, but it, everything's API controllable. Everything is is reachable. Um, the rules and everything, you can you can write with the API, so you could build your own thing on top of it. But, I mean, one of the things that we didn't really talk about too is that um, the connectivity between the nodes in zero tier form peer to peer connections if possible, which is kind of oh, insane. Right. So. Not, not only is it free for 50 nodes and then really cheap for more than that, but those nodes can be routers that share routes. Um, but they, as best as they can, with a bunch of different mechanisms and there's a bunch of testing that Zero Tier does, 
things form peer-to-peer meshing. So like you're not going through their controller, you're not depending on their infrastructure other than turn up of connections. So like once once it's off to the races and all the the uh, connections are formed between the devices, everything's peer-to-peer. And um, it sounds like they're they're adding some extra functionality as far as encryption options, which will be um, leveraged in actual uh, like hardware encryption ASIC chips. Uh, but there's a bunch of other functionality that not everything has support for. Like they've got um, options for like bonding interfaces across different like multipath. I mean, there's there's like all different kinds of cool things that are in the documentation. That I mean, Microtech, you just turn it on. But um, I'm I'm sure at some point you could do a lot of interesting things where you could over zero tier bond different internet connections with varying different bandwidths and do all kinds of crazy things. But the APIs. Oh yeah, for sure you can do that. That'd be cool. That'd be interesting. Uh, so when you go to uh, hotels, you can uh, create a bunch of virtual uh, access points, connect them all, and then zero tier them back to someplace and pump up that bandwidth. Yeah. So the other thing that you know that we should probably mention is you know we we talked about the controller for this. There are people that either don't want to or can't for compliance reasons use cloud services like that. I know there's a lot of apprehension to using, to having a cloud service that can in theory Mm -hmm. sort of touch your network elements. Um, It's actually very trivial to run your own controller. The ZTBI project runs its own. Like I just, I spun up a, a, you know, a virtual machine that sits, you know, it sits in the cloud, you know, because I don't want that to be inside the network it needs to control because then you have a race condition. But, you know, I have a, I have a system that sits out on a service that I pay for that runs its own controller and you can totally isolate it if you really want to. The documentation is really good for building your own and there are a couple packages you can just get and install. It literally takes like 10 minutes and you're That's done. Nice. How about redundancy? Is um, it easy so, to do? Like if you're doing the self-hosted, is adding the redundancy piece to the controller, is that, have you looked at that? I have okay. just started looking at that. There are ways to do that where you basically create your own moons or your, maybe it's your own planet and then you have your own moons so that everything is celestial based and how they reference it. So like there are ways to completely decouple it and run your own and have it all be redundant and everything. I haven't gotten have you done upgrades yet. on the server yet. Is that pretty straightforward? You yep. Yeah. So when you do an upgrade, I did notice that the, the links, so when zero tier restarted on the controller, my links did flap. Um, so having redundant controller for, if you're going to do something like this in production, it would be yeah. more or less a requirement. But, you know, if you use the cloud service, like you can get away with 50, like I said, 50 nodes for free, you know, for most people, that's going to be enough. Um, and mm. it's pretty inexpensive. Um, yeah, for sure. So say you have a and couple of fo- locations and then everybody's a road warrior. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know too many like regular organizations that need like more than that. So that would, I mean, that'd be really useful, really functional. I would think. Yeah. The other thing is it runs on freaking everything. They've got a Linux client. They've got a windows client, obviously a Mac client, um, mobile devices. How I had it running on my Synology for a while. I mean, it was, it just has a client. For Something I saw everything. that I liked on the WireGuard. Uh, client was they had the ability to just take a picture of a QR code and it would like pull the configuration. I think that would be uh, really cool to be able to do it. Not that it's, I mean, I'm over here splitting hairs, right? That's not a big deal, but um, uh, the the interface is really simple. It's not pretty. It's not super polished, but shit, I don't care about that. You know, it doesn't matter to me. It's really simple and functional. Yeah. So, eh. I think the comparison to WireGuard is one that a lot of folks make, but it's really, it's apples and oranges, right? They're both fruit, Mm -hmm. right? So there's some overlap there, but you know, one is a mesh network and the other one is basically a whole bunch of point to points. Um, And, you know, if you don't want to mess with certificates and WireGuard makes that really, and I love WireGuard, make no mistake. I like it a lot. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying they're different. Um, You can do some of the same stuff with them, but they, at their core, have kind of different 
applications, in my opinion. Erlano, I feel like I've been running over the top of you. Okay, I'm just here to enjoy. <laughs> well, the thing is, like with my setup, I can only see one person at a time. So sometimes oh. I, I miss those visual cues. I was just going to say, like, I mean, yeah, they are different. Like, if you want a point-to-point tunnel, you know, maybe you don't need to use zero tier. But, you know, another cool thing about zero tier is um, they make a, a software SDK. So, like, uh, they're also open source. They need to make money, too. So they do they do host. They don't hold your hand if you want to build your own, like, clustered-out system. It's also against their terms of service to use it for commercial uses, which is fair. But uh, they already have this huge cluster distributed system. Um, they just handle getting the peer-to-peer connections all up. It is mesh, so like if you connect with your phone, your phone is connecting between every individual device in a big, resilient mesh. So like there's, it's a lot of complexity there. There are different tools. There are a lot of people who also do like, you know, a traditional like IPsec VPN or like L2TP Road Warrior setup, and they have that zero tiered into server infrastructure to avoid the 50 limit. Um, but I mean, sky's the limit. You can kind of do whatever you want with it. Um, so I guess it just depends. Yeah. I, I do want to self-host it, especially to build a different GUI on top of it. Yeah, as you say, even the even the the first tier of pricing is really reasonable. Right? It's really, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it's. I mean, it's like ten bucks a month or less or something, right? So it's really affordable. Yeah, I think that some of the self, like the self-hosted package that I'm using, like I don't have any visibility into the rules engine. It's basically I can create a network, I can add nodes to the network, I can set their routes. It's it's the basics. I think that the API is all still there. I haven't actually gone quite that far, but the uh, you know the the one that they provide is you're right. It doesn't have the sexiest. I mean, it looks like it's straight out of like 2002, but like it, it, it's responsive and it works and it's really feature complete. Whereas some of the, or at least the self-hosted package that I'm using li- took literally 10 minutes to set up, but I, I, mm. I've lost yeah. some of those and things. For what it lacks in like style, it makes up for in simplicity because it is so simple to use. It really is. So it may yeah. not look, you know, like a unified control interface, right? All smooth round corners and sexy but it is so simple to use and you get up and moving quick so that's that's really what took me back it was just yeah how just absolutely fast it comes together and uh it just it just worked you know and few things i uh, i would say in networking but then i was going to say really just in life few things just work right you just poke a couple buttons and it just works and so this was one of those rare exceptions that really surprised me and in, in a in a great way obviously i'm looking at it pretty heavily right now because i've been using ipsec with xauth just for route push functionality so that um you know if you have remote workers you don't want their voip and stuff Mm -hmm. going through a tunnel uh, because if that flaps like their calls drop so being able to use the xauth extension like in microtik to push selective routes to clients like that's the only reason i'm really using ipsec with xauth other than it's ipsec and it's not like another fragmented tunnel or TCP based, but you could do the same thing with zero tier. You can specify clients get these routes. You can also match on TCP flags and you can say these specific hosts can only access RDP on these specific endpoints. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. I want to deep dive into it at some point because it's probably one of those things you could never really master just because you have complete and total control at the protocol ether type level of what's allowed, what's not allowed you know, connection state flags, like mm-hmm. is it a new connection, uh, established connection similar to the IP table style, like Microtik firewall. But it, it can get as granular and secure and complex as you want. And it's just writing some rules and none of it's managed on the clients. Yeah. So it'll just like update the rules and like traffic's allowed and not allowed. Yeah, and to your point, like adding a route inside the controller, like if you just like not even touching the rules engine and all that stuff, you just wanted to add a route, there's a box that says, uh, destination subnet and then gateway you just fill those two things in and then click like save and it's just done and it pushes that out to the clients it's like, oh my gosh it's like so stupid simple it really is crazy easy and it's immediate too uh, the other thing uh that it does that you know some people probably don't care about this but this is huge for me is that i can operate it in a com- completely free of ipv4 
So my clients don't need IPv4. The controller doesn't need IPv4. I can put IPv4 inside of it if I want to, but I don't need to. I can put on the IPv6 or I can just use it as an Ethernet link. Um, but that's a, that's a big one for me because I am more and more operating in an IPv4-free environment or IPv4-as-a-service kind of um, uh, ecosystem. And so that one was a big one for me. And it's been like that ever since I can remember. Like all the rules, everything just is equal across both protocol stacks, which is really, really refreshing. Hmm. So that takes me back to um, ZTVI, right? ZTVI.org, which is a nice short URL. That's really cool. Um, But you said it's it's basically a massive overlay network built on zero tier. To what end? Like, what was what was the point? Are you just are you just conquering worlds to see if you could do it? Um. Well, sort of. I mean, that's always (laughs) in my that's in my nature, but. You know, basically, I wanted a environment that had no rules, that was outside of a sandbox, that I could do whatever I wanted with and experiment with some of these protocols, like, like say, SRV6, right, in the wild, in production, you know, quote unquote production, and really just kind of, you know, expand my lab. Because I've had a lab in my house for 20 years, 20, more than 20 years, since before I was married. And, you know, at some point, building things virtually just loses, you, you, you hit a ceiling, right? Like, how do I move real traffic around with this? Like, okay, now I can do it. Um, so that was really the goal, like just to build this ecosystem that, that myself and other folks, you know, that were, that were helping me build it could, could experiment with and, you know, in, in a safe place that, you know, doesn't have any rules like if i want to do if i want to run you know rip (laughs) on it i just go i'm gonna go turn it on right nobody's gonna tell me not to because it's mine um so that was really the that was really the goal like i've always wanted something like this and it just all kind of fell into place over the past summer and it was shockingly easy to get the resources to do it um and so we've got three core nodes and two sort of subordinate core egress nodes that are their pay transit. So basically they never transit any, any traffic cause it's expensive, but um, yeah, really I'm looking just expand it at this point. Like anybody that's willing to transit my AS for, you know, a gigabit or 500 megabits, it very rarely uses any traffic. It's really more about the protocols than anything else. But, you know, I'm looking for looking for that. It's, it's a research project, right? There's no profit involved. It's all basically paid for out of my pocket. And another guy, what, the co-host of my, my podcast, he and I have paid for pretty much all of it out of pocket. So it's not like a mm. So you're still looking for uh, new nodes, new endpoints to pop in? Yeah, I mean, I would love to have some stuff in Europe – Australia, New Zealand, or more in the, we don't have anything on the East coast in the U S we have nothing in Canada. Um, basically anywhere that's willing to transit our AS for V4 and V6. Um, I mean, I, we could do one or the other. Uh, I prefer if it's both, but you know, let's take what we can get. Beggars can't be choosers, you know, and then give us a VM or we'll ship you a micro tick to put in. Uh, and then, you what know, kind of micro ticks is here. it all 2004s? Yeah, is that what you're here. going with? So we only have one right now, and it's a 2004. I think um, because we wanted more 10 gig interfaces, we went with that one. But I think if I was going to do another node that didn't have a full cabinet attached to it, I'd probably just send like a 4011 or maybe even a 3011. It doesn't. Like, it doesn't need to have horsepower, right? It just needs to be able to take the routes and. Hmm. Well, do a half zero AC tier. squared seems um, to to pull it. I. I mean, that's what I've read it on. I don't know <laughs> that it's going to do well with like a full table or anything like that. But yeah, I, I smell what you're cooking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably won't. Like but that. you want some more international <laughs> stuff. Probably... We have some international listeners. So what's the? You said the requirements are just give us a VM, or we'll ship you a router, or uh, does it need to be? Uh, it's. You're really your focus. Your main focus is IPv6, right? You want them to have v6 connectivity. Yeah, 
Yeah, V6 connectivity. And if and if it takes me or Chris, uh guy Chris Cummings, helping you set that up, we'll do that. Like you want some <laughs> you want some free V6 consulting? <laughs> we'll trade you that for a for a you know, transiting RAS for you know a nominal amount of traffic. Um it's something like I like I said, it's a it's a passion project for me. Like I've been the V I've been the V six weirdo in the basement since like two thousand and two. So oh. uh, now I'm you need finally to stop pigeonholing yourself. You're just the weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So really, I'll you're building that. dark web two point is what you're doing. Except for it's all public. Yeah. It's all PI space. You know, it's it's the. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say the light web, but that's <laughs> stupid. You need to go look and see if that's trademark yet. <laughs> oh, God. It could be nothing but Somebody like uh, religious websites on the light web. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, good times. Yeah. That would yeah, be the Yeah, man. You got to go the opposite direction, bro. Right. <laughs> that's cool. That's that's really cool. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, as soon as I can get some, well, all right. You've already got transit down here, I'm sure, in Texas. But it, as soon as I get some V6 stuff, I'd like to to pop in because yeah, I do. I've got, I mean, I it, I've got a whole stack of servers in there, all in our cluster, and man, have they been bored lately? So it'd be it'd be cool to throw something on there. And like I was telling you, I've got well, hmm, that other transit provider might be able to do V6 for me. I've got a V6 block. I just, you know, I'm all dressed up and nowhere to go, so. Maybe that other provider would be able to do so. I could pop off of him and just do V6 since there'll be almost no transit anyway. It'd be dirt cheap. Oh, well, all right. Sounds like I found myself a project. Ugh. I, I got time on my hands. Here we go. Here we go. But you also mentioned modem.show, which is your podcast, man. So I, I haven't talked to you for a minute and I just wanted to see how have things been going. It's chugging along. We're, we're hitting, we try to do one a month. Um, we took two months off in the summer. And so we were lucky in that we had done two in one month prior. So we hit, I think we hit a total of 13 for the year. Um, the last one published for 2021, we just recorded January of, uh, 2022 that'll release some point. Um, so, you know, we're just, we're keeping it breezy. You know, it's really, again, it's another labor of love. Keeps me, you know, since I don't do operational networking anymore, it kind of forces me to go stay deep in the protocol stack because that's really what we focus on is, you know, deep tech type stuff, taking things apart and, and whatever. Um, mm. that's I can't, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I've listened to every episode, but the ones I have, um, are almost infuriating because the level of polish you guys have coming out of the gates is really annoying. So you guys have, uh, you've been, I mean, it's tremendous. You've been getting great <laughs> guests. Um, really good. I mean, you're just a, you're obviously a natural storyteller and, uh, all that stuff. So I, I would encourage everybody listening to this to definitely go over there and, um, give it a listen, give it a follow, like, and subscribe, smash that like, but what do the kids say these days? I don't know. Like, what do you say on TikTok? I don't Mil- know. Or, uh, Arilano, you're on TikTok. What do kids say? I don't know. The only thing... My kids are uh, sort of keeping me uh, in the know. So now, like, my new favorite thing when I walk up and see them is to say bing bong because of bing. the... Uh, uh, it's something like... What do they call it? It's like uh, something crackheads. I don't know. It's like Coney Island crackheads. That's what it is. Bing bong. You look that up. That's a great TikTok. I don't know... I mean, it's, yeah, it's put a lot of new things in my vernacular that I'm not sure anybody else is going to understand. But uh, when I was at that chicken finger place, I heard some of the kids in the kitchen uh, yelling bing bong at each other. It's like, man, I am cool and hip. All right. I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> I know nothing. I've, I've somehow managed to keep TikTok out of my house. I, I don't. I get asked about once a month. Dad, can I install TikTok? <laughs> nope. Why not? Well, because the federal government says that I can't have it installed on any system that is in my house, which is made up. But, you know, you know yeah, whatever. Sure. It works. All right. While we're here, it is... So, uh, technically, we're actually recording this one early. I guess I'll probably release it early. I mean, what's... Why wait? 
Just do the thing. Although I have had people complain when we put out too many too fast. They're like, I've got it so that yours bump up to the top and you're annoying me because I'm tired of hearing your voice. Uh, so you need to space them out. But having said that, uh, we're coming up on the end of the year. We're doing this one again early because uh, what Saturday will be New Year's Day. And so, you know, it's like, do your thing, live your life. Don't waste your time doing this thing with me. So it was much easier to convince you guys here, but it always uh, brings up the idea of resolutions. I'm not a res- resolutioner. Like I never do that. So I basically like, if I decide I want to do something, I just do it. And any time of the year, you know, I don't, I don't care, uh, honestly, because um, if I want to do something, I do it now. One, because I'll forget. And two, it's like, I don't wait on things anymore. Right? Like, uh, I've done that so many times in my life where I keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep waiting. And, uh, I've had too many opportunities gone, right? Like you, uh, you lose a family member, you lose a friend and it's like, why did I wait on that thing? So I've, I've taken that to heart in multiple aspects of my life. So I'm not necessarily a resolutioner, but some folks are, but maybe there's something you're looking forward to the next year that you want to like accomplish or conquer. Apparently, Nick wants to take over the, or Bralio wants to take over the world with his ZTVI. So, you know, one country at a time. So that way he gets a good back door so he can circumvent the nation's firewall, you know, to fully perform his attacks. Or, or no, wait, he's going to start a religion that punches through everybody's uh, national firewalls. That's what it is. Because it's a light web, right? So you're going to start a cult, modem.show. Uh, be sure to tithe. Don't forget. Uh, but yeah, do you guys have any resolutions or anything like that? I'm just curious. It's like, uh, you know, it's that time of year. It's always sort of a fun topic. I don't do resolutions. It's not my thing. I'm like you. If I want to do something, I just do it. Um, and like you, I would probably also forget, <laughs> like you said you would do. So I just try to do it now and whatever else. I should also mention that I am actually ordained in the, the Church of the Dude. <laughs> so it could be a religion. I think yeah, I also have universal I'm a, life. I'm a minister thing, at universal so life church as well. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you get ordained to uh, perform a wedding? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, and I was also the photographer, which was really strange because there was only like, you know, five people there. Two of them were getting married. <laughs> me. <laughs> like a parent on either side. And I also have the camera. I could so. just imagine. Do you click? Do you? Yeah, there we go. Got him. All right, Arellano, what are your resolutions? Uh, to sleep more and, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, focus on uh, being happier. Mm. So, and so, maybe get some uh, zero-tier telemetry units for the Borg network. <laughs> is that what we're calling the religion? I mean, I don't know that we get to make up the name. I guess that's Braulio's job is to... I know they're all tem- telemetry collectors. That's what the the whole point of the project is, right? Sniffing past the globe. Uh, there, there is some notion of collecting, you know, NetFlow data, just normal stuff, right? Um, but that's only to make sure that it works. Like, there's no, you know, it's a. I am a very staunch believer that a service provider network should not look at packets or filter packets that aren't detrimental to the network. So it's a FIFO pipe, right? Packets in, packets out. Gotcha. So for every $100 you tithe, you get one vote into, you know, uh-huh. what the network is used for. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> and it's a minimum. That's 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 the minimum <laughs> tithing is, is $100. Well, I mean, well, percentage yeah. or $100, whichever you hit first. Is that the idea? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, something we're working on the fine print, folks. Give us, give them a little time. We'll get it all out there. All right. Well, is there anything else we'll uh, burning you guys up that you need to talk about? Because like that's all the stuff that I could regurgitate out of my head to to think to talk about. I got nothing else. That seems like a pretty good, pretty good place. Yeah, so We've we covered move a lot of ground too, which uh, which is always fun. <laughs> all right i should also say ah. well, I'll, I'll make one more comment not really a new topic but you did say that modem show was very polished i take <laughs> zero credit for that that is 100 percent chris cummings he has like a recording studio worth of stuff and all the software and so basically he's like buy this mic and buy this software for your 
for your machine. And then editing all happens like magic happens at his house. So he he gets That's 100% the of the credit for that. The goal is to make it sound like an NPR <laughs> You guys broadcast. are well on your way there. That's the dream, man. Just I show up, I talk on a mic, I drop it, and then I walk away. I love that. That's pretty much what I do. Um, the times that I have done the editing, he's gone back <laughs> and done it again. Oh, wow. Oh, well. Yeah, you know, that's fine. Uh, that's like uh, you do the laundry wrong one time, and then you never have to do the laundry again. Yeah, somebody else does I'm it. I'm totally fine with that. I've not figured <laughs> that out at home, though. All right. Well, I will say uh, let's uh, let's do the uh, the send-off. Uh, so, Nick Braulio, if folks out on the internet want to get a hold of you, how would you have them do that? Oh, I'm on the Twitters, uh, Forwarding Plane. Um, there's the forwardingplane.net blog, of course, Modem Show and ZTBI.org. And I'm in the Brothers mm. Wisp Slack as well. So just at me in there um, and it'll it'll buzz my machine and I'll get sometimes you know, I'm slow, but I always get just recently it. at like a, a tech field day or whatever it is. Didn't you guys just do one of those? Yeah, we did the very first tech field day for service providers. Um, so there's a handful of us that got invited uh, to go. It was it was not in person, but yeah, I, I just did that. Like Ooh, one of the chosen two, ones. So ago, there's like a that. lot of materials that get produced via that, right? Something. Yeah, yeah. We did a we did oh. a modem show that was kind of a recap of what the themes were. No, so. no big deal. You know, whatever. All right. There's one of a few guys invited. To that. Yeah. <laughs> Way to flex on us, bro. All right, Nick Arellano. <laughs> easily, I was easily the dumbest <laughs> Nick one. Nick Arellano, if folks want to interact with you out on the internet, how would you have them do that? You can join the uh, Brothers Wisp Slack group. Uh, we need more patrons, so jump in there. And then uh, nick.a at hey.com. Nick.a at hey.com. I like that. Kind of rolls off the tongue. Uh, you can find me at greg at gregsoul.com, where I... Uh, answer emails because that's my email address and then gregsoul.com i do the blogging stuff um semi-regularly it's well obviously i've fallen off the wagon the last you know like two weeks because i haven't been doing anything which is nice man it's nice to recharge but i'm kind of you know getting the itch to start like moving like getting back in motion so i'll probably start blogging again a little bit um maybe on some of the zero tier stuff because i just like it and uh it's fun and then i can go back and reference it once i forgot how all of it works uh, but uh, let's see what else. Uh, you can find me at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash brothers wisp. I'm on the Slack, I'm pretty responsive there, especially to DMs and stuff like that. Uh, but really, you don't go there for me, you go there for these uh, lovely uh, gentlemen that uh, are so free with their knowledge and information. So definitely uh, go in there, find us, uh, visit uh, Braulio, visit Arellano. God, you guys have very similar last names too. It's kind of a they end in O. I don't know. Maybe it's not so similar. Anyway, I digress. Uh, you guys have any questions, comments, guests? Everybody's going to tell me, please bring uh, Braulio. We need more Avalano. So, yeah, I know that part. That's fine. You don't have to send me that. But any guests or any comments, questions, or anything like that, let us know. So, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Nick Squared, for joining today. A good one. I'm going to hit. I'm telling you, you don't know what you are missing. Ideas and some good comments.